Welcome to the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series, where your host, Andy Jacob, interviews leading entrepreneurs, founders, and CEOs about their incredible companies and discusses their unique entrepreneurial journeys. If you're the CEO or founder of an exciting and exceptional company, the editorial team of Dotcom Magazine welcomes you to pitch your business story to appear on this exciting interview series by reaching out to Mr. Jacob at Dotcom Magazine at dotcommagazine.com. And without further ado, here is another amazing entrepreneurial story on the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series. Hello, everybody. Andy Jacob here with the dot-com magazine entrepreneur spotlight series. Settle back in your seats today, everybody. I've been able to bring in a worldwide leading expert in digital marketing on the show. I mean, he's built an amazing company. He's been in the business for so many years. You might even know him. You probably have heard about him, probably seen him on some panels, maybe read some of his uh, articles about digital marketing. His name is, for, of course, is Alexander. He goes by Sasha Jovicic, and he is the chief executive officer, the global chief executive officer, of course, executive digital. I'm so happy to have him on the show. I have so many questions. I'm not going to talk about all the awards and everything he's won in his career. I'll be here for the full 30 minutes. Sasha, welcome to the dot-com magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series today. Thank you, Andy, for having me on the show. Now, it's great to have you. I mean, everybody talks about it all the time. Every business owner that I speak to on the phone, everybody I interview, we all want to attract more customers and grow our revenue. And this is one area that you're an expert in. We're going to get into it. It's so exciting. Before we do, though, Let's pull the lens back to 30,000 feet. Tell us about Executive Digital, and then we'll get into it. So the idea of Executive Digital was born almost a decade ago, and I think it was a matter of perfect timing in the digital marketing industry. Uh, towards the late 2000s, you had a lot of the, the Fortune 500 firms investing and developing massive digital agencies trying to scale. And I was in that world as well. Obviously, I was in a Fortune 50 firm developing on that on behalf but I think eventually there was this component missing, which was empathy, right? And I think when you have massive push button solutions that we keep seeing year over year, there's a component that keeps missing, which is that hands-on approach, the glove approach. And sometimes we call that enterprise digital marketing. Sometimes we call that familiar digital, but at the end of the day, that's what drove. And in 2014, my partner, Anthony Lopez, approached me and said, listen, I think there's a better way to do this. And I sort of looked at him and nodded and said, I think, yeah, I think there's a better way for us to really give folks across the globe, regardless of GL and industry, an ability for them to actually connect to their user experience and the audiences. So Executive Digital was born in late 2014, and obviously here in 2022, we've uh, gone through massive changes and expansions across the globe. Yeah, I love it so much. You are across the globe, and of course, you and your team do such a remarkable job. Let's get into it. Let's talk about the type of company that reaches out to you and your team, Sasha. Where are they at in their process? What's the big problem that they're having as to why they reach out to you at Executive Digital? 
So I think the it's it's important to know our history. We started as a small and medium-sized business, mom and pop shop. And what we quickly realized is that the big search giants were really against the mantra of the little guy wins. And while we could make some impacts quickly, the resources were devoured by the giant's input needs, right? And especially in 2013, 14, and 15, the evolution of the digital marketing industry, there was incredible change. And what it did is it went into automation. Everybody wanted instant, quick results, fast. And that worked for a while until the search engines got smart. We sort of said, how come, how come these big, massive companies, you know, 100,000 employees plus, still use agencies? And it was a weird concept. Like, if you are a massive giant, how do you help scale? And the answer was us. So we became quickly a secret weapon. We did have to pivot because we realized that, unfortunately, not fighting this sort of um, gigantic automation machine was not what we wanted to be. We wanted to be strategists. We wanted to be executioners. We wanted to be the brain and the execution partners for many of these firms. So in 2016, we pivoted the business model. And today, companies reach out to us because we scale incredible businesses. So there's numerous examples and case studies around the, the internet about what we've done for clients. But, you know, we help clients scale from zero traffic, brand new concepts into massive 30, 40 million clicks a year, all through organic and direct Google strategies and search engine strategies to begin with. So at the end of the day, companies sort of grew with us. And of course, our footprint grew globally as international companies started saying, hey, we need some help too. So we became sort of a, a, a runaway hometown hit in Phoenix and in New York and in Raleigh and in Miami. And all of a sudden we had somebody's hands waving in Norway, in Dubai, in Serbia, in Bosnia, in Croatia, in Romania. And all of a sudden it's sort of, oh my gosh, executive digital is a global powerhouse. Yeah, now, parallel to that, what it transpired is we also got smart to the fact that if we are the developers and the strategists, our resources, our team, and their know-how. So, of course, the number one investment is our team. Uh, obviously, I point to my team as being really the most incredible um, team of digital marketers and strategists around the globe. So, kudos to all of them watching this, obviously. Uh, without them, obviously, Tony and I would really not be here. But that said, our footprint allowed us to start developing our own platforms, our own startups, our own businesses. Matter of fact, many of our rewards today in 2021, 22, truly come from our startups that we've launched from within Executive Digital. And now many of those are $100 million companies, which is pretty incredible to say. Yeah, that's awesome. What a great story with you and Tony. Now, when we think about small to mid-size, mid-size to Fortune 100 companies. What's your sweet spot? Who's reaching out to you most of the time? Is it a small startup company or a company that has a little bit of sort of grease under their wheels and they're ready to get rolling and explode out their digital marketing? Well, here's the issue. The issue for us is economies of scale for ourselves. And so at some point in time, we had, a, we had to hit that peak of what really happens when a company, us, the partner agency, has no more physical resources, right? And so we hit this balance where we decided it's going to be a do or die. And so today, because of our footprint in the startup world ecosystems across the globe, we got a lot of input. So if somebody can't afford us, and that's a really interesting conversation, right, in and of itself, 
But when somebody can't afford us, we try to see if we can go ahead and assist them across the globe from literally strategy to execution to develop the brand and have them become part of the, the, the digital footprint that is executive digital. And so we're not opposed to partnerships. We're not opposed to uh, revenue sharing, all the things that are interesting but at the same time, we've got to feed this incredible machine across the globe. Our teams have got to keep being fed and grow. So it's a delicate balance between having the ability to grow revenue and then take that revenue and reinvest in ourselves, in our partner platforms. And of course, all the folks who are trying to reach out and say hello. Now, at the same time, we've got the other side now because of our massive footprint on the, on the industry and in the Inc. 5000 and Fortune 500 space. Most of the folks are referral, they come to us and say, okay, we have an amazing, intelligent team that's executing, but they need additional enterprise-level help. And of course, that's really the sweet spot for us. Yeah, I love it. The enterprise-level digital marketing strategies are such a necessity. Now, let's talk about strategy. I mean, I think of you as sort of the king of strategy. I mean, you've been at it for so long. How important is it for these large companies as well as the smaller companies to have the right strategy to go to market. And for those people that aren't experts in that, how important is it for them to reach out to someone like you or someone on your team to talk about the right strategy? So I'll actually respond to that with what our actual physical experience. So many times when we poach uh, media or senior folks who've been in the industry three to five to seven to 10 years, and we want to poach them from some of these giants it is almost shocking that when they come to us with what they would consider seasoned experience and knowledge, they still have to go through the school of executive digital. And it's almost shocking as in what were you doing at the previous company? And some of these folks that come to us come from some pretty significant players in the game. And so I think if you look at my personal experience, right, not just the corporate foot, but my personal experience of 26 years in the SEO digital marketing sphere, I've seen all the changes. I've gone through them. I've practiced them. I've failed. I've won. And so having that uh, actual hands-on knowledge, not to say the other companies don't have that, but I think my personal knowledge has sort of transcended some of the ages, right? Average age of agency is six years in the US, right? And if you think about 11,000 digital marketing firms, a lot of them are three months, five months, six months, 10 months. And they're being led by extremely smart young folks who will come up in the industry, but nothing replaces that hands-on experience. So in terms of strategy, I think you have to have a wide, wide net cast across a multitude of industries to be able to see the seismic shifts that are happening across the globe, right? Because if you just work on one client somewhere in Wichita, Kansas, you may be doing a great job, but are you seeing the bigger picture? And that's where strategy really comes in. For us, there's nothing. Matter of fact, when we onboard a client, there is nothing that we're going to move, touch, or do anything to the client's footprint until we've developed a multi-point, all-inclusive digital ecosystem strategy that ties all their digital assets together. And only then do we actually go in and execute, right? So for us, the prep work, the, the, the digital research, all the footprint prep is the key to the strategy. And then the execution begins. Yeah, I love it. It's not piecemeal with your company. I mean, it's all comprehensive. Now, let's talk about customer experience and the, and the client experience, because I know that's an area that you really shine at. And in everything you do for your clients, you put yourself in the mind of what their customers are going to experience, what their clients are going to see, feel, and touch. How important is that customer experience to the success of what you do, of course, at the company of Executive Digital? 
Well, I think what, what we have seen is that once we put ourselves in the shoes of the end user, after we put ourselves in the shoes of the needs and wants of the client, sort of the primary hub, really what the, what the end goal was is, well, how do we actually attract and retain the audience on behalf of our clients? And I think where the only and the main difference that I've found in the last 26 years in the digital industry is being able to be a multi-industry or industry agnostic, right? You have to be able to experience all types of industries and figure out that the end user is not the same. It's, they're not being catered to the same. Really, it's the diversity in client base that helped the team executive digital across the globe really focus on growing the audiences at the end unit all the while attempting to satisfy the most important client, right? The actual client need. And I think that delicate balance is actually, for anybody from the agency world, they will tell you that's the most challenging component, right? Having to balance what the client wants, maybe not always correctly, and maybe maybe on sentiment-based versus what the end user really wants to get to. And that's the game we play every single day, right? So we're an ongoing laboratory of knowledge. Yeah, that's, that's important. Of course, <clears throat> you use data. And I love the fact that data drives a lot of what you do. And when we think about advertising, we think about marketing, isn't it about being at the right place at the right time? And how does your company help your clients get to the right place at the right time using data sets? So I think that most agencies really want to do an incredible job for their clients, right? And what we found is that those tools and the data analytics to access on behalf of the client and the end user are extremely prohibited because they're cost ineffective. So for example, if you're a new agency, a small agency with three or four employees, you will find yourself spending dozens of thousands of dollars a year or euros or yen trying to establish a data studio point, right? And then what happens is, is you can't really scale because it gets more expensive. And so a lot of the big players in the data game figure this out 15 years ago. I said, hey, I will charge you by lead. I will charge you by conversion. I will charge you by click. And so all of a sudden, the industry of pay per performance that you as the client pay for to acquire the user gave birth, right? And we see the all the time. We see it. Every platform has a push button solution that you can target that city, that block, that industry, that person really wanting that item and really holding down, right? But that's advertising. That does nothing in the footprint of marketing, right? There's no retention there. It's an impulse buy. I click it. I want it. I do it. I buy, which is great because it drives revenue. And then what most brands find is they grow on this other stuff. We call it the left brain, right brain conversation. If you've seen my interviews, you know I'm famous for my left brain, right brain. So left brain saying, click, buy, go, do, 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 do. But where the startup founders and the enterprise and the Fortune 500 folks fail is, okay, there's going to be a retention of that client base. What happens when the ad is off? What happens when they're no longer pointed to the ad, right? And there's a mantra in the industry that today, brand or what we call organic search or really those keyword-based searches today still account for 80% of all conversions. So obviously, folks who recognize a brand and they associate a particular trigger psychologically to the brand will have a longer retained value. It's like you go to the dentist and you have a great experience, nothing hurts, 
why would you change the dentist, right? And the same things brands experience. And so if they get captivated by the brand based on their research and in their brain, the end users qualify that brand as the number one or two or three brand as a, as a brand of choice, all of a sudden you're no longer relegated to having to advertise. You now have a convertible ready audience that really loves what you do as a brand. And that's the left brain, right brain conversation. And together, we call that the development of a digital ecosystem for companies versus running a campaign, which again, anyone can do from the SMB that just started yesterday, startup owner, all the way to the Fortune 50 firm, CEO and president. But that's what it's about. It's about putting all the pieces of the digital puzzle together to execute a, a truly comprehensive strategy that benefits for the long term. And then we've crossed the zenith of growth. I love it. And for the people watching the show, just Google Sasha. You can read it or watch or listen to all of his uh, videos and all of his uh, stories that he's written about the left brain and the right brain. I want to get into the international scope because, you know, you have an international team, you have international clients. If we look at different countries, are there any differences in what you put forth as a strategy depending on the country of the client and the country that they're trying to attract customers from, or is it the same across the globe? Andy, that's a great question. And what's interesting about that is I'm happy to report we're all humans. We're all identical across the world. So that's the good. The good news is we all trigger psychologically the same way. Obviously, there's massive shifts in um, sociology, in psychology of a sale, in inputs, the conversation topics. And so having to be in these 19 countries that we currently operate with clients in is very demanding because you have to get to know the actual local colloquial expressions, knowledge base. And so there's a reason why we've grown because we were forced to grow. And the only way we were able to grow successfully with our clients was really getting to know the locales. And so at the end of the day, though, as I mentioned, <laughs> we're all human, we all sort of get triggered the same exact way. But at the end of the day, there's significant changes, right? The South African audience versus the North African audience is different. Central European versus West and East European versus North Europe. It's incredible, but it's really not unlike a lot in the US, right? You've got a different audience that's on the go in New York and Manhattan. You may have Idaho Falls, Idaho, a little slower, a little more pacey, a little more brand confidence. At the end of the day, though, it's incredible because we get to participate and see all these incredible folks and how they interact digitally. Yeah, it's so interesting. I have a funny question for you. Have you ever seen a company reach out to you, Sasha, where they've got the greatest offering you've ever seen? I mean, it's just incredible. And in their mind is that they have this great technology or this great offering, this great product, this great service, but it doesn't resonate for the potential client in other ways. In other words, they haven't figured out how to make that left brain, right brain thing work together so that the clients actually get what they're trying to sell them. So it's actually unfortunate that we see that a lot of times, right? And there's a reason why 82% of all new startups fail within the first 12 months. By the way, that's a global thing. It's not a US thing or a Europe thing or an Asian thing, right? I think imagine having to implement something that has never been done, it's innovative, that people want, it sort And you've heard this expression, it sort of sells itself. What does that mean? A little bit of marketing, a little bit of brand presence and great brand voice and brand really grows. And then you've got the brands who try to figure out a 90 degree toothpick that wasn't needed, right? 
And somewhere in the late 2000s or, or 2009 or 10, I, I heard the former CEO of Ferrari speak at an event in Detroit. And what he said was, hi, we're Ferrari. If we put square wheels, we will sell at least 300, right? What he was trying to make a point was Ferrari has such an incredible cult following, really wealthy buyers, really passionate, loving brand folks. If they were to put out some square wheel Ferraris, although not really handy, certainly 300 people in the world would find to buy it, right? So the answer is, are you building square wheel Ferraris or are you building a better version of a Ferrari, a sleeker, smarter, more intuitive version, right? And I use that story often because it's always resonated with me that you don't have to be number one to grow your footprint. You could be number two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. But really in that top 10 footprint, whether you're in a small city or an international player, you've got to be the best. You've got to challenge the status quo. You've got to bring something innovative. And if you're bringing something that nobody needs, you can throw all the marketing and all the strategy and all those things and yet fail. How many startups have we seen fail after 80, 200, 600 million dollar investments? When it fall flat because the end user said, not for me. And so oftentimes, as we see startups come to us, the first thing we look at is their business plan. And it's okay, is this something that the audience will want, right? And in 90% of cases, maybe, maybe a little, maybe 80% of cases, when we said we can't take you on as a client because this is not going to work, it really did not work. And it's a testament to the 82-18 rule that we keep hearing over the years. Nothing has changed, right? And I think you can have passion. You can love your product. You love your brand and really be all about it. But if it doesn't help change or shift or, or cause somebody to go, ah, the aha moment, then there's no amount of marketing or strategy that can help you out. Yeah, Sasha, it's so interesting you say that because we speak to a lot of startup founders you know, just in our initial phone calls, and they're so excited about their technology, they're so excited about their offering, but they never talk about the client, and they never talk about the customer, and they're forgetting that if that client or customer doesn't love what they think is a great idea, they don't have a business. Let's talk about visual. Let's talk about something that my wife always says to me, oh, Jake, you know, you're a very visual person. I know that in your business, I mean, you believe in video SEO and visual production. How important is the visual aspect to your clients to get the branding across to the potential clients they want to attract? So it, it is the most incredible thing that for the last, I don't know, what's the domination of, of YouTube and video companies? It's probably about 10 years, right, of video dominating the search, the digital marketing footprint. For 10 years, we've been telling clients and consumers, hey, pay attention to this. You need to invest in video SEO, video production. And eventually, we ourselves acquired one company, two companies, three companies, and absorbed them for video production value. But it wasn't about putting them on TV. It wasn't about putting them on something, CD, DVD, recording machine. It was all about pumping them into the visual channels. A matter of fact, one of my 12 startups within the executive digital is a fully equipped, I mean, fully video integrated platform for sports. And obviously, it's a runaway hit across the globe. And why? Because at the end of the day, you don't have to speak English. You don't have to speak a specific language. But the video message and the visual assets, just like the madmen of the 50s and the 60s, and even to the 70s, the ad men, the madmen figured out that the visual connection was so much stronger than the actual written word. 
Yeah, that's powerful, of course. And you've been talking about this before anybody was even thinking about it. So that's a testament to what you're doing. I'm going to bring you back on the show. I mean, I could go for three hours with you, Sasha. There's so much to unpack. I mean, we could get into every little aspect of marketing. And, you know, I have so many questions, but I know you've only cut out a certain amount of time. I mean, here you are, the global chief executive officer. You know, you've got uh, you and Tony and the team. You're in 19 countries. You've got 12 startups under the umbrella. I mean, it's really remarkable. But before I let you go, I want to talk a little bit about entrepreneurship because we do have younger entrepreneurs watching the show and you know sometimes they hit a roadblock, sometimes they hit a tough time, maybe they hit a pothole in the road that they freak out, you know, they don't know how to get through it. I'm hoping based on your experience and of course you mentioned it. I mean, you've done some pivots, you've you've got knocked down and you keep getting back up. What are some of the um and what's the advice you can give to the younger entrepreneurs that are getting into this tough time right now in their business and they need to come out the other side being stronger for having gone through the pothole? So, wow, that is an incredible question. Um, and I appreciate your patience with my time as well. Here's the real situation. In order to be a successful entrepreneur, business person, you have to have two things. You have to have resiliency. You have to have grit. And by the way, I did not come up with those words. I actually sat once with our vice president of marketing, Jenny, and I asked Jenny, what makes this different in your eyes, right? You're a team member here and you see all these clients, you see all these campaigns and incredible history, but what makes this difference? And she said, let me think about it. So I think about four to six days went by and she said, Sash, I got to figure it out. Executive Digital and you and Tony and every single one of these team members, it's about grit and resilience. So my advice, and I speak across the globe about 40 to 50 times a year to all the young entrepreneurs, to all the startups, be flexible, be moldable, take input, partner with great marketers, partner with marketing agencies. If you can't afford one, get one, do paper performance, pivot, flex, mold, do everything, but don't be a wall. Nobody wants to work with a wall, right? It's 2022. Everybody wants to have the flexibility and everybody enjoys quality of life. So if you have a great idea that you believe will resonate with the audiences, do absolutely everything in your power to have as many people in the world see it as you can afford every day of the day. And I think if you are your own brand ambassador, you're out there showing the product, speaking about the product, partnering with our agencies, it doesn't take a lot of money, but it does take grit and resilience and more importantly, empathy for everyone around you to really have an incredible interconnected product. Wow, what a great answer. I mean, so much to unpack with you, Sasha. I mean, it's really incredible. I know that you're so proud of your team. In the pre-interview, you talk, talk about your team all the time and how you've been able to build this world-class team. So congratulations to everybody from you know the company that's watching the interview because Sasha really thinks that the team is world-class and he can't, he can't stop talking about how great his team is. So Sasha, listen, I wanted to thank you so much for coming on the show today. This has been awesome. We're going to bring you back. We may have to schedule a full hour because there's so much to unpack with you, but I wanted to thank you so much for coming on the show today and bringing us inside what it takes to build this global uh uh, marketing company that you've been able to put together. And then, of course, you've got the startups under the umbrella and you're in 19 countries. I mean, you're really, really an inspiration. And thank you so much for coming on the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series today. Thank you for having me. Have a wonderful day. 